Well, hey, Propel Church, and welcome to Easter at Propel. We know that Easter this year looks a little bit different, and at the beginning of this, our expectation was that we were going to be doing church in-house in our new facility, but we know that one of the actually most effective ways to reach people is online. We know that thousands of people are going to join us for Easter this year, and it's all thanks to your help. So do us a favor and hit the share button below so that you can spread the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world. Man, we're so excited that you're here. I don't know where you're watching from or why you even tuned on today, but here's what I do know. God has a special word prepared for you. There's a reason why you're watching this, and we believe that it's not by accident, but by divine appointment. So thank you. I would encourage you, give me the next 25 minutes of your time and really focus in on what God wants to do because we believe that God is going to do something so powerful in your life. When I was thinking about what to teach for Easter this year, this thought kept coming back to me over and over and over again. And it was all on the story of Jonah. And I was thinking, now, the story of Jonah doesn't really seem like your traditional Easter message. And it seems like it was kind of up my alley to deliver on Easter. But then I found this verse in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. Look at what Jesus says. He says this, Because just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus is actually talking about what we celebrate on Easter. Not the burial, but that his resurrection would come to pass. And he uses Jonah as an illustration to point to, I believe, the Easter message, the gospel story that Jesus would die on your behalf and mine because of sin. And after his death, he would be raised to life on the third day so that you and I could experience true life in him. So if you have a Bible with me, we're actually going to go through the first two chapters of Jonah. And you may be thinking, well, hold on, Pastor. You told me that you were only going to spend 25 minutes. Then hang on, because it's going to be a fun ride. Go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, and this is what it says. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked these people are. Now, this looks really cool because from the very beginning of Jonah chapter 1, we see that Jonah has this direct line of communication to God. Now, how many of us would kill for that? The good news is, as followers of Jesus, we have that direct line. Because of what Jesus did, we can have direct communication with God. But it's like Jonah and God have just picked up the cell phone and they're having a conversation. God says, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to announce my judgment because I've seen how wicked these people are. But then verse 3 lets us in on what Jonah does. It says this, But Jonah got up and he went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. The first thing that I want you to do as we're looking at Jonah and how it relates to our story and really the Easter story as a whole, I want you to write this down. We have all run away from God. We've all run away from God. Scripture is really clear that Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you may be thinking, well, that's not me. But look at what 1 John 1, 8 says. 
It says, if we say that we have no sin, we've deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Much like Jonah, all of us have run away from God at some point. Because God's original design was for us to live in perfection with Him, to do life with Him, to dwell with Him, that we would live not in sin, but in perfection. But sin, if you and I are looking for a definition, could literally be described as doing the opposite of what God says, running from God. We could trace it back just a little further because you may be thinking, well, I've never ran from God. Let's look at a few of the Ten Commandments for a second. One commandment is to not put any other gods before God. But let me ask you this. If you checked the duration of time you spend with God versus the duration of time you spend maybe on something like social media or binge watching The Office, come on, where are my Disney Plus people at? It would be really easy for us to determine that based on where we spend our time, we've actually put something above God. Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe it's cheating or, or lying. You say, well, I don't really lie that much. Yeah, but the moment you lie, you've turned your back on God. You've sinned. You've ran away. Every single one of us have sinned and run from God at some point. You may be thinking, well, maybe that's not your issue either. Maybe it's, it's the, one of the commandments says to not murder anybody. And you go, you know what, pastor? That's great. I ain't never murdered anybody. But Jesus was really clear in the New Testament that if you've ever had hate in your own heart, you might as well have killed him already, that you've sinned. Now, that's not to say everybody you hate, you should go ahead and go murder. Please don't do that, <laughs> right? No, the reason why Jesus said it is because the Ten Commandments were really given to us to reveal the fact that all of us have run away from God, that all of us have run from God's plan, and that every single one of us has sinned. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Second thing that I have for you is this, is that sin creates disaster and destruction. So Jonah has a great plan. He's going to get on the boat. He's going to get, uh, he's going to sail to Tarshish and everything is going to be fine. He's going to escape God. But then it says this in verse four, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ships uh, threatened to break up. This storm came through and it was hurling and and, and going so violently that the ship that Jonah was on was actually going to be destroyed. Now, why is that taking place? I think a few reasons. Number one, because sin creates a path of destruction. But two, one of the things that I've learned is oftentimes, God will use the storms in our life to reveal to us that there's an indicator that something is off and something is wrong. The good news is, despite the fact that Jonah ran from God, and now it's brought disaster and destruction into his life. God is still pursuing him. He's still going after him. And when we find Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, he's actually sleeping in the bottom of this boat. It sounds a whole lot like Jesus, doesn't it? That Jesus was on a boat in Mark, and we see that Jesus was sleeping as a big storm takes place. But when they go down to talk to Jonah about what's going on to figure it out, Jonah lets them in on the fact that really this storm is his fault. 
that the storm is because of the sin that he's committed. And yet in the middle of it all, God is still pursuing Jonah, wants what's best for Jonah. But what Jonah begins to realize is that sin creates destruction and chaos in life. And you may be thinking, well, but Jonah did what he thought he should do. Jonah did what he thought was right. I'd read you this passage of scripture in Proverbs. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way to death. And you can run fast and you and I can sin and we can run from God. But the truth is, we're never going to outrun God. At some point in every single one of our lives, we're going to come head to head with the creator of the world. There's a judgment day for all of us. No matter if you feel like you've sinned once or you've sinned a whole lot, every single one of us will stand before God one day and give an account for what we've done. Because the truth is, sin creates a big penalty on our life. Because of sin, we deserve death. Scripture says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin are death. What's a wage? What's a cost? The cost that sin has for your life and mine is that we deserve to die. And what happens in Jonah chapter 1 as we kind of get into verse 14, 15, and 16 is Jonah begins to have a conversation with these men that this really is his fault, that because of sin, the storm is happening. And they choose to throw Jonah overboard of his own volition. So guys, this is my fault. I've done it. I've sinned against God. And he sees an opportunity to get out of it, to save these other men. And they pick Jonah up and they toss him overboard into the sea. And when you, be, you and I begin to read this passage of Scripture, or maybe you grew up in Sunday school and this was like a really cool coloring book page for you. You saw Jonah and you saw the whale. and It was all cute. You got blue crayons. And... But the story is actually a little more dark than that. Look at what Jonah chapter 2, verse 4 through 6 says. It says, Then I said to the Lord, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more to your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. Oftentimes when we read the story of Jonah or we hear about the story of Jonah, we think that what happened is that Jonah was tossed overboard and free willy jumped up out the ocean and grabbed Jonah midair. That's not the story that we hear in Jonah chapter 2. In Jonah chapter 2, Jonah's writing about his account of what's taken place and what's transpired. And he lets you and I in on the fact that he's dying. Look at, look at what it says. It said that the waters, as I sank beneath the waves, the waters closed over me. Get the visual for a second. Jonah is sinking down and he sees that the, his life is coming to an end. That as the waters close over him, he knows that he's dying. He's sinking to the point where seaweed is wrapping itself around his head. He's sinking to the very roots of the mountain. He feels imprisoned. He feels like the gates are shutting and being locked forever. Jonah is coming to the end of his life. And the reason why he's stuck in the middle of an ocean right now is because 
of sin. I say, Pastor, that sounds a little harsh. But the truth is, Jonah's in the middle of sin because he did wrong. Jonah's in the middle of the ocean because he sinned against God. And he's getting exactly what he deserves. That's the hard part about sin. Because what sin deserves, the wages of sin are death. So if Jonah dies in this moment, he gets exactly what he deserves. But I want you to write this point down. Thankfully, God doesn't give us what we deserve. Because Jonah shows us that as he's sinking down, chapter 1 and chapter 2 seem to be written a little bit out of order because what happens next is if you go to Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, when Jonah gets out of the fish, we find out at the end of this chapter, and I'll read it to you in a second, that Jonah ends up back on the shore. So what happens is the order of events is Jonah is tossed overboard. He begins to drown. He feels like his life is coming to an end. And yet the Lord arranges for a fish to step into the middle of it. I don't know about you, but if I'm drowning in the middle of the ocean, I don't know that I would see a fish swallowing me as a saving thing. But oftentimes grace comes in mysterious ways. It was the grace of God that arranged for Jonah to be swallowed up by a great fish because Jonah deserved to die. And yet because of God stepping in to save him, he was able to actually find life again. It's the beautiful grace of God that oftentimes appears in so many mysterious forms. It's grace that arranges for a fish to swallow Jonah, not to punish him, but to save him. It was grace that sometimes may look like a punishment, but it's God's greatest example of how good he really is. I remember back a few years ago, and it really was, we're coming up on nine years since I gave my life to Jesus, I was and I had gotten kicked out of high school for drug possession. And uh, it was the day that I was getting arrested. And I remember that, you know, my mom had come in and I was so concerned. I was getting kicked out of high school. It was my senior year. And I looked at my mom and just asked, hey, are you mad at me? That's a pretty dumb question. I had a laundry list of charges that day, drug charges, weapons charges. And my first thing was to say, are you mad? But I'll never forget what she said. As I sat in that chair at one of the lowest points of my life, she looked at me and she said, Nick, I'm not mad. And I'm not even disappointed. I believe that God has better things in store for you and that your best days are ahead. That moment, what I saw as some great punishment, actually turned out to be one of God's greatest examples of grace in my life. Grace comes in mysterious forms because it also comes in the form of Jesus on the cross. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 11 verse 16. But if it's by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. If you have to work for it, if you have to earn it, it's not really grace. But because God in his grace and mercy would choose to send Jesus to die for us, just as Jonah was rescued by a fish, you and I are rescued by a cross. Just as Jonah was then 
restored and able to do all that God has called him to do, the next thing that I have for you is this. It's repentance that restores you to God's plan and purpose for your life. Jonah is in the belly of the whale, and I believe that one of the beautiful things that grace does is that grace preserves us for the purpose of repentance. Grace gives you and I the ability to see just how good God is and how many great things he's done for us and then make the transition to him. Notice that what scripture also teaches us is that it's not the works. It's not reading your Bible that brings people to repentance. It's the kindness of God. And I think what really changed Jonah's life that day in the belly of the whale as he stood there for three days and he got to think about everything is he realized that because of sin, he could have totally drowned in that ocean. He could have died. He could have gotten exactly what he deserved. But the Lord had a bigger plan for his life. And the Lord arranged a fish for Jonah just as he arranged Jesus to die for you and I on the cross. And as Jonah says this, look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. Jonah writes this, as he's in the whale, says, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. It was that moment for Jonah as he realized that nothing in the world could save him except for God. That he was able to finally get another chance. Here's what I know about many of us today. We've ran from God. We've turned. We've gone our own direction. Maybe it was even the direction we thought was right. That we thought was what was best for our own life. But the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross is that when you and I realize that salvation belongs to the Lord alone, we can be spit back up on the shore. We can get a new start and a fresh chance to find life. I don't know what sin issue has you bound up or entangled, but here's what I do know. Sin always leads to death. But Jesus steps into the middle of your story and mine to bring us life. I love what John 3.16 and 3.17 says, that God sent his son into the world not to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Oftentimes we feel like what Jesus really wants to do is just tell us how much we've messed up or how many mistakes we've made, but he doesn't. He simply wants to give you and I the invitation to be spit back up onto the shore, to do something with the rest of our life, to take our second chance. And you may be thinking, well, you know, God gave Jonah a second chance, but I've already used my second chance. Well, he's the God of unlimited chances. If you still have breath in your lungs today, God still has another chance for you waiting. All you have to do is repent, to repent of your sin and to turn to God. So what happened in Jonah's life? Well, Jonah went to Nineveh. He walked up onto the stage and he was ready to preach. He said five words and everybody repented. Hundreds of thousands of people had their life changed. Through a single individual who God saved, redeemed, and restored. I believe that that's what you want in your life. 
When you think about the way God designed you, when you think about the way you're living right now, I believe you know that you were made to make a difference. But it doesn't start by you stepping on a stage. It starts by you declaring that salvation belongs to the Lord. And then as you do that, you get to walk into your purpose. Was Jonah perfect with the rest of his life? No. Chapter 4 in Jonah is probably one of the weirdest chapters of Scripture that we read in the Bible because it ends in a question. Jonah actually ends up getting mad and frustrated because God chose to save the people of Nineveh. What God really tries to get at Jonah is, look, at the end of the day, you've been forgiven of so much. And if you've been forgiven of so much, why do you become judgmental of who I choose to forgive? I think if you're a follower of Jesus and you're watching this message right now, you and I need to be very careful that we don't end up in the position that Jonah did to become critical of those who God forgives. Because we realize that because of sin, we all deserve death. But thankfully, Jesus stepped into our story. And maybe you're watching this right now and you're thinking about the plans and the purposes that God has for your life and you think, well, I've just done too much and I've made too many mistakes. There's a powerful truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and it says this. It says that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. You may be thinking right now, well, I've got this laundry list. I've got this old life and it's really messy. If anyone is in Christ, they've become a new creation. I believe that God has a fresh start for you today in this moment. You don't have to wait. You don't have to try and clean yourself up first or work really hard. Because if you have to work for it, it's not grace. You simply have to receive that the same God who was willing to send a fish to rescue Jonah is the same God who sent Jesus to die on your behalf so that in him you could become a new creation. And if you'd like to make that decision today, I want to simply lead you through a prayer that invites Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.